We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. Arsene Wenger ties the record for Premier League appearances, but breaks the record for heart attacks given to his supporters. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I am the one recording from an undisclosed location on an undisclosed device using an undisclosed pair of headphones. They are the uh, factory-included iPhone headphones. I am, in fact, recording on a borrowed computer in a hotel room in Mississauga, Ontario. None of it's undisclosed. There are no secrets here. Not to you, dear listener. We care about you too much for that. Uh, and it's no secret that I am joined by a panel of experts. Wait, let me check. No, Tim's not here. But I am still joined by a panel of people who are going to talk. One of them is Paul. You can find him on Twitter at PauseNoMyPants. Hello, Paz. Woohoo! Uh, uh, one of them is Clive. You can find him on Twitter at ClivePAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Yeah, the holidays are playing havoc with our scheduling. So uh, no Scott today, no Tim today. They will be back to improve the podcast immeasurably in the uh, near future. But we'll do our best to serve up a podcast in any event. Um, and there's plenty to talk about. Uh, it was interesting, as we often make it, 3-2 victory at Palace. There was sort of an, an improving run of form, so all things being equal, I think uh, good result and actually good performance. You know, I, I think the fact that we let them back in it at the end maybe overshadowed the fact that this is the best we've played in a while. And I certainly want to get uh, Paul and Clive's opinion on that. But before we do, let's talk about the lineup. And Paul, we went back to a back three. Uh, mm. Jack and Shaka paired in the midfield. Jacka, if you will. Uh, Chambers preferred as one of the three uh, center backs, along with uh, Mustafi and Kshelny. So the rest of it was pretty much as you'd expect. And I guess my question to you is, were you surprised uh, to see the back three, to see Maitland-Niles maybe lose his place, Chambers come in? What, what was your reaction to the selection? Well, I guess if we're going to switch in theory, be- 
between three and four at the back. This was a good game to play three at the back. I mean, Arson uh, has a long knowledge of of Roy Hodgson, and and he's he's pretty solid, conservative, uh, keeps it uh, compact, keeps his midfield compact, offers up the wings. So this was if Arson is really still in the three at the back game, this was probably a natural choice and. Maitland-Niles had had a run of a few games now, and this was probably a good time to let him sit and digest and absorb. Um, you know, his last outing was a, a good performance, but a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, so he probably has plenty to take in. Kolasinac has probably been uh, uh, kind of chomping at the bit to get back in. Uh, we needed to shore up the defense. It's interesting that Chambers not holding. Um, Chambers on the right allows Koscielny to play on the left of the back three, which uh, I think, to be honest, suits Koscielny. Um, and Mustafi playing th- through the middle allows some good distribution. He had a beautiful ball over the top at one stage uh, later on in the game, um, but generally knocked it around well. So, uh, I mean, if you look at passing, Kolasinac was right up there in the 70s in terms of passes. I think Ozil was our top passer, uh, Kolasinac, and probably and Chaka, I think, were the three that hit the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kolasinac, Ozil, Sanchez, high passing numbers too. So, uh, obviously, we used that left wing to get some stuff going. Um and it made sense against this team. Uh, the the difficulty would be lots of possession, but no target man in the middle. But I think we made a mockery of that. And I think we'll talk about Lacazette, but he had an interesting game. I think a good game. Yeah, I, I thought he was really good. Uh, Clive, I mean, do you want to expand quickly on, on the choices that the manager made to get started with? I mean... Uh, yeah. Kolasinac comes back in. I think you know some of that could just be down to rotation. It'll be interesting to see when Chelsea rolls around who winds up being preferred and, and indeed what uh, formation it winds up being preferred. But for that day, you know, I, I think it made sense. Chambers coming in over Holding, I think, is a little interesting, right? I mean, Rob Holding arguably would have been the one ahead of him in the pecking order, we might have thought. Not the case? Yeah, maybe. I think, first things first, I think Crystal Palace last season was probably the game that convinced Finger to go to a back three. Yeah, I think it was remember, a, the you know, low ebb, you might say. It was a low ebb, yeah. Remember the old Big Sam, kick it long, fill the spaces quicker than we could on the recovery. We know Arsenal's midfield is based on recovery speed, and, and funny enough, that's, that's what we base it on. That's one of our weaknesses. And he pinpointed it, and he exposed us being behind fullbacks, and, and they won the game. And I think it might have been a game or two after we played Middlesbrough, and then it changed. So, And I've always been a fan of the back three for this squad you know I've said it before I feel more comfortable I think more players feel more comfortable in this formation and you know I think Bellerin's more comfortable I think Koscielny is more comfortable I think Mustafi reaches heights Callum Chambers can come into the team and slot in that right side it could have been holding 50-50 holding plays on the left a lot more when he comes in I think he would probably choose the right if he could but Chambers seems to have the, the dressing room hierarchy on that slot in behind, I think Koscielny doesn't play against West Brom, which could happen. I think Holding could come in, right? So, um, and Koscielny could be safe for Chelsea. I think though, though Clive, just to 
interrupt you. It was an interesting choice to have Chambers, who's had his troubles against speedy wingers, be the guy who faces up against Zaha. I mean, I get three at the back against two yep. forwards, but but that was brave. Yeah, it, it was brave. I, 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 but I think he's more agile than Holding. I think Holding's a, more of a in-the-air centre-back. I, I, I really fancy him to play at West Brom. I really do. Uh, uh, quite tall and, and quite aerial. I think he'd be a great selection for that game. Uh, I think with Chambers, who's had time at fullback, he's just got a touch more agility to the dribbler than um, Holding has. Although it was maybe brave to many people's eyes, I think he was suited. I think he was suited to that. And also, if he gets tight, he gets in contact. He's always he's always got Mustafi to cover around, and Mustafi covered around superbly all night and was, you know, excellent again in the, in the back three. So I, I'm I'm comfortable with it. Uh, there's so many interesting things to see about how we started the game. He's one of those games similar to Everton. You could see the zip. You could see the movement. All the all we spoke about last time, Liverpool was disunity in the group. But there's lots of unity in the group immediately with people like Alexis tracking back to the corner flag on numerous occasions. Everything looked bright. Everything looked sharp. And I and I liked what I saw on the screen. I liked it. I I felt comfortable. I felt that we had all the positions covered. I felt we had players on the front foot going forward, feeling comfortable in their roles. And I thought I started. I started to see the semblance of a potential of Alexis getting a lot closer to the goal and a lot closer to Lacazette. And we really almost had two fours, which is what I'm looking for. He spent a lot more time in the area, and that's got to be the way forward for him. And uh, look, as soon as he gets close to that goal, he starts to score. I think we've got to, you know, get that movement right. But rather than a two-one, make it a one-two. And it was it was that at times yeah. last night. And shame that Tim's not on. I love to see how it felt for him watching in the ground. Yeah, I mean, felt I, in comparison to Liverpool. I thought the early pattern of the game had Alexis dropping deep and playing provider. And as the game wore on, he started to push more up the pitch, get closer to Lacazette, get closer to the area, and then you know to devastating effect uh, late in the game. But the the interesting thing I think is also we showed a real desire to play out from the back even under pressure, and you can see why Guardiola wants his teams to do that because you know if they are going to come at you and try to press you and you kick it long, and you turn over possession, you know, that, that saves you momentarily, but only momentarily. But if you can play out from the back, you can create the kind of numerical superiority, the numeric superiority that you're unable to create when you let them get into their defensive shell. Um, and we had some really yeah. good early moves playing out from the back, which was nice to see. Um, I, I think one of the things we have to focus on, obviously, is Jack Wilshire. Um, you know, and, and we can certainly go through the game moment by moment, and, and we'll do some of that. But I think... Coming on to Jack right away is important because he still seems to be a pretty big lightning rod. Now, there are certain things about Jack that I am still not convinced about, and we can get into that. But, Paul, one of the things that I think is interesting and the difference uh, between his inclusion and Ramsey's inclusion, Ramsey adds that runner, that, that second man run, that extra body in the box, that extra scoring threat. But he's not as precise a passer in the final third, and he's not as quick to move the ball. Um Jack really moves the ball quickly, and he's a really precise, sharp passer in the final third, even if those aren't always super dangerous, high-value passes. Do you think against a smaller team like this that, that tries to stay organized defensively, that tries to sit in the shell a little bit because they really weren't pressing us in midfield, Jack's quicker, more precise final third passing could actually kind of help us find the spaces to break them down? Yeah, I mean, they both kind of look to achieve the same thing, speeding our play up by different means. I mean, you'll often one hear running, Wenger... One through passing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, and Wenger will often talk about Ramsey in that role. He uses them that way to move things along, but they're very, very different, obviously. Um, And the other debate point was we're seeing uh, Jack getting recognized for a level of play, but it's not in that position of the number 10, the uh, attacking midfielder, that third midfielder pushed forward. Um, it's actually the position I mostly like him in, which is sitting deep. He was him and Chaka seemed to be pretty even. There were times Chaka was kind of more the box to box player, and times Jack was kind of the more marauding Ramsey going forward, but with the ball rather than without it. Um, they definitely played on plane more, like uh, yeah, as a two instead of the Ramsey Shaka dynamic where yeah. Shaka sits and Ramsey goes. Yeah, and you'd see times where Jack was very much central and uh, and and Chaka would find a position to one side or a little further up and Jack would be doing the distributing and then you'd think, oh, well, maybe that's his role. And then a little later you'd check in and Chaka's kind of sitting more centrally and Jack's pushing up. So it's an interesting kind of double pivot gags in his mouth kind of uh, <laughs> set, set up. Um, so... To me, that's really interesting because, of course, Ramsey will be back at some stage and that'll kick a whole lo- a whole other series of consequences off. But, yeah, Jack, you know, he's the things that begin to worry you, though, you know, this is the point, the classic point with Jack. He's had his 10, 11, 12 starts. He's had a few starts in the Premier League, which are obviously of a different intensity. So he's really getting up to his levels. And I, I think he's got more levels but he's also starting to pick up the fouls and the being fouled. So uh, he was more fouled than anybody else in our team. Now he rise- He actually, I, I believe the actual yeah. statistic is that he was fouled more than any player has been in any Premier League game this season. Ah, yes. Well, he is Jack. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that's, by the way, that that's. I'm sure he will run into no problems physically if that continues to happen. I'm sure everything will be fine. Uh, and I mean, on the night it looked fine. It looked like he got a, you know, he got everything right, and he rode the tackles, and they were good decisions. Which kind of tells you, um, you know, on a, on a bad day, on a worse surface, on a more with a more aggressive team who are contending the midfield more fully, you know, how long can he get away with that? So, well, that, interesting that, times for us and for Jack. That does raise an interesting question, and you know, I think Shaka looked good in this game, and I do wonder, Clive, to some extent. You know, with with Wilshire sitting a little yeah. deeper and staying next to him a little more and making himself available and not kind of running away to get into the opposition penalty area, do you think Shaka maybe looks a little more comfortable because he has that safety valve, he has that guy to give it back to, whereas with Ramsey, he's much more isolated and has a much more challenging first pass that he has to make if he's under pressure? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a style thing. You know my views on, on Ramsey. I, I, I can't not see he's a good player I do question the style and that's for me the issue I like my centre midfielders to play in centre midfield as simple as that it's a it's a bias I have but I is, wish is Jack I, a central midfielder I mean because d- he doesn't well, have the burst anymore. I, like. I mean he doesn't have it's, the legs well let's not judge him are we let's sure judge, let's, let's judge him on how he receives the ball let's judge him on on the pictures that he has in his head so he can move it immediately quickly let's judge him on the layers of passing that he has he can go long as we saw with the goal he can pop it short inside outside of the left foot he recognizes when to press he presses with real aggression now much more aggression than he used to i mean he, this boy is a player and what i like about him more than anything is how he looks at what 
his teammates are doing, and then he adjusts his game according to what's happening around him. He doesn't say, I'm Jack Wilshire, I like to dribble forward only, I like to burst past my man and get a foul. That's what I like doing. So I'm going to put myself in position so I can do that and sod you lot. I sometimes feel with some of our midfielders, I include Ozil, Ramsey in particular, and Shaka. It's almost like a dance-off. It's almost like, who's going to get their game out the most? Who's going to put themselves into places where they want to be? I don't care about the team. I care about where I want to be. I really criticised Shaka in that in the last game. In this game, he stood where he should be standing, in the middle of the pitch, controlling things, being available and switching play, rather than running around after the ball and not getting back into areas to help the, help the team and watching a basketball game develop around you. I thought the two of them played like a pivot on the, on the old seesaw and I loved it. And what it does is it actually allowed us to maintain phases of possession and pressure because they ring the box lovely. I mean, how many shots did they have as cutback shots? on the edge of the area, both of them. It was on their wrong foot and they were scuffed, but they were there and available for shots on the edge of the area. They weren't running past the centre forward and not being able to get back. When people broke, there was two of them around the ball to help stop the break, to help be available for the first pass to the defender so he could maintain pressure. And that, to me, stylistically, is how I want my centre midfielders to play. And Alan Ramsey has done it in the past. He did it at Chelsea. That's probably the best the midfield performance I have seen from him ever in that nil-nil game. He can do it, but I sometimes feel he chooses another game, whether it's him or the coach telling him to push on. And I do recognise it's a risk to play ahead of the ball. It's a risk to push teams back, and sometimes we need that. But what I saw against Palace was how I like my midfield to be. That's fair. On the pivot, being available, ringing the box, moving the ball sharply, and leaving forwards to do forward things. And then they will stay there, and then we will score more goals. So I'm, I'm going to pour a little cold water on this just for the sake of balance. Um, Go for it, man. And look, <clears throat> I, I think there are a lot of agendas around Jack right now. I think there are people that just adore him and want him to succeed and view him through the, the prism of, of that hope. And there are people that have written Jack off, and for whatever reason, they don't like him, um, and they view his performances through that prism. I am, yeah. I think... Uh, renowned for my objectivity and lack of agenda. So I think for that reason, I am qualified to have uh, an objective opinion here. Um, So a few things. First of all, I think we have to be careful about getting carried away with how he played in this game. And I think he played well in this game only because we are one game removed from the Liverpool game where at least in the first half, when pressed, it was a disaster. And that first Coutinho goal, for example, we saw Shaka and Jack running back towards their goal and we don't ever want to see that again, right? Um, I think it's also worth pointing out that for Palace's first goal in this game, uh, while Mustafi should have done better, while Chambers and Bellerin should have done better pressing Zaha and keeping that cutback from coming into the box, neither Shaka nor Jack are in position to track Townsend's run, and I think you you could suggest that someone should be tracking that. And so, you know, <clears throat> I thought he did a really Col- nice Col- job. Colosseum Col- actually attract him, but go oh, ahead. Okay, fair enough. Well, I mean... Okay, I, I don't know uh, football, so I, I can't really speak to that. But um, but what I will say is that when they were not pressed, they were incredibly effective. There was a five or ten minute period in the second half where they started to press a little bit and things started to fall apart. So I think the jury is still out on whether those two, especially as a two versus a three, um, yeah. can perform when pressed. If you give them the space, <clears throat> there aren't 
two men you can put in central midfield with the, the passing and the range of passing they have. And they're going to pick you apart. And they did that. And I thought Shaka was exceptional. And I have to give Jack some credit for Shaka being exceptional because I think Shaka having a partner sitting beside him uh, helped him avoid some of the, the mistakes that have been that have typified his season so far. So <clears throat> that's that's just a little bit of, I, I think, pu- pu- putting on the brakes just a little bit on the hype train because can, I think we still have to see just, more. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Elliot, and everything you just said. But can I just add one last thing? I, I mean, I, I think, suppose. <laughs> I think a lot of it was to do with the back three and where they were on the pitch. Yeah, And I think we were much more compact as a group. And so we were able to make more tackles and be tackled. To say that Jack's very good under, on the press, he's very agile, he got fouled seven times in the game, which tells me he was being pressed, right? And he got out of that. So that's a good sign. I just feel we're a, we're a five-a-side technical team. We're not a running team. To be a five-a-side team, you've got to compress the space. The back three, I think, gave us more confidence. I think in the two, I think our centre-backs dropped off significantly against Liverpool. I didn't spot it before the pod, but I spotted it afterwards. And that gave us the basketball feel to the game. This game was much more controlled. The unit was pushed up much more by Mustafi, who's much more communicative. And I think that gave us a technical game in middle and midfield. And what happened was you started to see the rat-a-tat of passes, the one-touch around the corners. Because when the space is compressed, we see the best of Arsenal players. They're not super runners, but they're super technicians. The smaller we can make the pitch, the better we are when we've got the ball, particularly. And then, so I, I really liked what I saw. And I think Jack plays into that. He's a five-a-side Wenger player, and he can pop it with anybody, right? So I'm with you. He's still got a way to go. But what we saw last night was very, very good. And he ended the game against Liverpool very well. So I, I'm really positive, and I'm not a fanboy. I thought he was done, right? So I'm one of the people that flipped both sides of this one, but he's not done, and, he, and he's really been an addition, and I, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching him play. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't disagree, and I think you'd have to be overly committed to agenda to not say he was good in this game. Um, I think as a result of circumstance and what we've seen so far, we'll kind of have to see how it continues. And, Paul, this leads into an interesting question. I'm going to get off the topic of this match just for a minute since we're talking, Jack. There is a big question right now about whether he will be offered the contract he wants, whether he will sign at Arsenal, or whether he will move on. And this feels like a pivotal moment for how the squad is going to be built going forward. I'm of the opinion that Jack has looked not a little bit better, not somewhat better, but outrageously better than I expected. And the reason I say that is because I thought he was totally washed. I thought he was done. I thought not only could he not stay fit, but he really had nothing left to offer. He looked heavy on his feet. He didn't look fit. He didn't look like he had any burst or pop or cutting edge. And he had been dropped by Bournemouth in their midfield and not looked good during that period. And I had been wowed by him. Not because I think he's been a world beater, but because I think the level he has been is beyond what I was expecting. Having said that, I would not give him a contract. Um, And I will defend that statement in a moment. But I want to get your feeling on whether you think, based on what you've seen, it is the right move for the club to to re-sign Jack. If I'm going to be an absolutely ruthless bastard with no heart, no feelings, like and, only fo- <laughs> yeah, and only focused on success, you know, I, I kind of see where you're going. It's almost like this is a trick. <laughs> you know, here's January. Uh, Jack's 
right, just hitting takeoff speed. Um, here comes the new contract. We're stuck with... Uh, now, please, everybody, don't take this the wrong way. We re-sign him. We re-sign Ramsey. We're stuck with kind of two of the three main ingredients of our midfield that we've had for the last five, six years. Um, and I'm, I mean, people who listen should know that I rate both players. Um, I think you rate all of our players, Paul. but uh let's talk about francis cochlan no (laughs) but you've seen my avatar yes uh i like jack so so it takes something for me to say this Uh, and i'm not surprised i'm not saying i knew where he was going to get to but i'm not in the least bit surprised that jack is playing this good and in that position that's kind of my preferred jack position but it doesn't solve the fundamentals of what kind of midfield do we want and also what kind of midfield will we be stuck with for the next three or four or five years. You know, we've uh, we signed that nice fella, Mislintat, I think his name is. Well done. Yep. And he probably knows a few good players out there. So what is our uh, – I can't, on the other hand, spend the last six, 12 months bitching about I don't know what our plan for midfield is. And Wenger's had a few years now, much as I love the man, to imprint upon us his archetypal midfield, and it's been forever – you know, Jack's a big piece of that either way. You put that piece in the middle of the jigsaw and he stays fit. Um, it's probably a really good thing, but it's it's the kind of mostly fit um, and mostly struggling for form Jack that we've had to deal with. Yeah. Kind of fight yeah. his way back. And, and the same is true of Ramsey. And they're such decided players. And at the end of the day, both of them need another player to fix their weaknesses and that player is kind of a a uh, an overhyped Ainsley Maitland Niles kind of figure projecting onto him all the things we wish him to be um and so you know what about Ch- so there're all these really good pieces of jigsaws that take up too much space in the jigsaw middle and so that's my concern with Jack uh, yeah d- how, in isolation, does he look like a guy who should be, we should sign up? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a talent. It's ironic that he went to Bournemouth last year. Uh, to me, they, they fell for the he's a 10 trick. And he didn't look, you know, he looked pretty good, but he's not a world beater. And, you know, he began to fall out of favor with Bournemouth when they decided they were going to play a different way. I think he's got a really tough choice if he wants to go elsewhere. If he tries to play for a top team, he won't get into it. Uh, middle or lower level team in the in the Premier League, you know he's 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 had he's had the blessing of having that experience. He could be a superb squad player for us that may continue to get better and better and may earn that position in midfield. But to me, the jury's uh, well out and in no rush to come back with a verdict. Well, I think the problem for Jack with going down the table is that he is a player who's best qualities come out with, on a team that has the ball. The team yeah. has to have the ball and a lot of the ball for Jack to be a good fit. If you're a team that's going to have 35 or 40% possession, you're arguably not going to get 
what you need from Jack Wilshire. So going to a small club doesn't seem to suit him. But as you said, I don't think he starts for a big club. So Clive, I'll let you come in on this, but let me just give you my perspective quickly. And I I adored Jack, and then admittedly I gave up on him, and now I'm sort of impressed with where he's come back to. But here's the issue. And, you know, we did this with Theo. Theo was on a really hot little run of form, had a lot of leverage at a time when stars were leaving light. And because we were losing stars and because he was in good form and because he'd been with the club a while and was English and was likable, they put him on a big contract and the contract's kind of become an albatross and he hasn't really contributed since getting that contract and admittedly the knee injury didn't help and all that. You sign Jack to 150000 a week. You're doing that because you think he's going to be a starter for you in midfield. And I would say if the goal is to win the Premier League, and that should be the goal, should be what we're building towards, is Jack Wilshire a starting central midfielder on a Premier League winning team? And even if you say he is, you then have to ask, do we trust him to stay fit? And, you know, you could ask that of any player, but certainly Jack's fitness history is, you know, it is what it is. So I think the combination of the concern about his durability, the concern about what his role really is. I mean, is he a backup 10? Can he be a starting central midfielder for a title winning side? Can he play the number of games he needs to? Are you going to put him on that big a wage and sit him? No, you're expecting to start him. So is he a starter for you? Clive, I just think you lock him into that big salary and you start to lose the flexibility to reshape the midfield. And I think one of the biggest tasks on hand over the next two transfer windows is to try to find a way to reshape this midfield. And we're probably pot committed to Shaka already. So do you lose your versatility, your flexibility, if you re-sign Jack? I don't think so. I think you actually gain some flexibility. I think um, he's doing things now that I hadn't seen him do. I hadn't seen him defend like he is. I hadn't seen him track people back into his penalty area like he is. And if I bring your Theo analogy into it, um, Theo's had some great hot moments of form where he's done some really good things, but they were things we all know he can do, and he did them well for a period. He he had some aggression, and he, went, he added a bit of defensive intensity for a short period. He worked a bit harder off the ball, and he got behind goal side, and then he scored his goals, 19 goals. Well done, well done. But there was nothing really we hadn't seen before, or nothing that told tells us he's technically improving. With Jack, he's a technical footballer. So you're not watching a footballer that doesn't understand the game. He's got a huge wisdom about his position. That's what really impresses me. He's got he's wise beyond his years. He knows the game. He knows when to buy a foul. He knows when to get tight to his man. He knows when to get the combinations going so we can work our way out of that two one situation like yesterday when it got a bit hairy for a few minutes. He's it's not it's not linked to form as such. It's just linked to him playing and getting minutes and the more minutes he gets the more consistent I feel he'll be and if we talk about his injury record his injury record was down to stupidness of silly tackles he got a broken leg in training he got smashed by Harry Kane he got smashed by that Manchester United centre half these were not hamstring injuries this were, this were, these were impact injuries can I jump in times... on that just real, just real quick Clive yes mate he was just down. possessed four times this game and fouled seven that's 11 times when yep. someone either got the ball off his feet or just came in late and yeah, and clattered absolutely. him and what I would say is he holds the ball to the last minute it's one of his cool qualities it's also one of the reasons he yep. takes a lot of punishment what you're describing to me uh, you know, could be considered bad luck, but it could also be a feature, not a bug. If you follow what I'm saying, yeah. that, that I, the way he plays invites a lot of on time or just late challenges. So, so that could continue to be an issue for him. 
absolutely. And, and every time you step on the football pitch, you're not you're not sure how you're going to step off, right? So, but there was a couple of occasions yesterday. I don't think you remember it. I know Paul watches his games really closely. When he was go- he was going face on into a 50-50 and he just thought, "I'm not going to get there. I'm just going to jump out of the way." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember it, Paul? And I thought, yep. "Good for you." That's that's the sort of stupid thing he would do for the crowd. He would just dive in and wouldn't care about himself and that's when he was getting injured he would throw his leg into three other players and just leave it dangling there and that hero stuff i think disappeared the stuff he got caught with yesterday that's just tackles from the side he rode them he went to the ground he could see it coming he jumps off the floor takes a little tap and he bounces straight back up again right so I think he's learning. I think he's wise. I don't think he's driving into contacts in the same way. Not stupidly. I mean, he would he would follow heavy touches earlier and just get himself smashed. And you'd every time he went down, you're thinking, "What are you, you going to get up?" Well, you know? let's, so, let's ask it then, Clive. I mean, if you're resigning him, I think you have to assume that on 150 a week, one of the things Jack wants assurances of to, to sign is that he'll play. He wants to be an England player, and that means starting for Arsenal. Is yeah. a Shaka Jack mid central midfield pairing going to get us a title? Is that is that no, does that have the balance I, and the qualities that we need? I, I don't think so. But I don't I don't look at it that way. He played he played twenty two times for Bournemouth last season, and if he could play a thirty five times for Arsenal in the season, I'd be happy with that because he's the right quality. I don't want to stand there watching Matthew Flamini's and and no, I agree with that. And, yeah, Francis Francis Cochran's in particular. Am I right, guys? Paul, right? This guy's this guy's <laughs> yeah, Arsenal quality. I, I you know. We talk, let's, let's look at it a little bit more. We need to add a defensive player in there. We all know that. That's not Jack. That's not Ramsey. That's not Xhaka. It may be Maitland-Niles in two years' time. So we need that player. right? So, And the rest of the players we have, they have a lot of skills. We may need to lose one. Either El Nenny or Cochrane. Probably El Nenny will go. We just lose one to create room for a, maybe a more defensive player, which, which is quicker and faster. And that's what we need to do. Jack, to me, is a player we should keep. For multiple reasons, not just for his ability, but for his connection with the club. You need to keep those players. It saddens me to see Ross Barkley potentially leaving Everton because he's one of theirs, right? You should hold on to them as much as you can. And what Wenger is can, doing... Can I ask it, you just to elaborate, elaborate on that just quickly? Because for those of us who don't you know, don't live in London, who, whose connection to the club is deep for us but different, in your words, why do you think it's important for the academy kids, for the for the those kids to stay with the club? What does that add to the club? Uh, look, I'm not saying it's all about glory hunting and trophies, but yeah. what in your, in, in your words, what does that add to the club? When, when your kid comes to the academy, the number one thing they want to see is somebody have a career. Right, so as far as the academy is concerned, Jack Walsh is a massive success already. He's had a career. He's played for England. He's played for Arsenal, League, Champions League, You've done it, mate. You've got the money in the bank, right? So, so I would like to see him stay because I'd like to see players that want to stay, Arsenal men, Arsenal people, if they're performing at the right level, why should we be selling them? You know, we should be keeping them. We should prioritise them if they are doing the business. If they're not doing the business, then sorry, on you go. You can have your career somewhere else and you can look after your family, et cetera, et cetera. But he is doing the business and I would love to see him. I'd love to see him stay. And, and I, but, is, is there any argument level, that, that he prioritized his England career over his Arsenal career when he chose to go to Bournemouth last season? A player we arguably could have used last season even more than this season, given what happened to our midfield and, and some of the, the people that we had to use in midfield. I mean, do you feel yeah. that any of the loyalty and love for the club argument is damaged by his decision to go to Bournemouth? Um, 
I didn't. I don't like this England thing. I got to be honest with you. Uh, I don't like that. I've got to get back in the England squad. Well, the England squad is you know, okay. I don't like when players prioritise that over the club, if it even feels that way. I don't think none of us really know exactly what went on. I think maybe he decided to go and play because he was frustrated. But I think it's we're starting to see the benefit of that now. I know he got an injury late in the season, but he did make 22 appearances and five from the substitute bench. And that's a lot more than he had done in the previous two years. So maybe that getting that full, pre, that full season proper training all the time being part of the match day squad which he hadn't been for the previous couple of years and when you spend like a year and a half out it takes a year and a half to get back and that's precisely where he is right now he's back to me a much more worldly wise footballer rather than a Roder Rovers hero ball smash it I want it all to be about me footballer and that tells me you know what I'm going to invest in you and more importantly I think Wenger's recognised well I don't want to pay you 150 grand a week you may have to take a pay cut because I see you as a 30 game a season player and if you want to disprove me fine but I'm not going to give you the Theo wages he's on 90 grand a week right now and they are talking about a slight wage reduction for him because they want him to prove himself over a longer period and that to me makes a lot of sense unlike what we did with Theo Walker, where we overpaid him, I felt that burden and that weighs, I think it weighed on him. And I think it changed how the fans viewed him. Yeah, we expected more value for money. And I think if, if I was Jack, I would say, yeah, I'm going to sign this contract. And then what I'll do, if I prove myself, you can. I'll have an option to, for a pay rise over a longer period of time. And I hope that's what happens. Yeah, uh, let's do this. I want to I give Paul a final uh, comment on Jack and then, uh, because we are trending towards, let's say, like a two, two and a half hour podcast, we'll move on. Uh, so, Paul, fi- <laughs> sorry, final Paul, thought sorry. on the Jack cast? <laughs> I make you, uh, I think you both make fine points. Wenger uh, is obviously being tough from a negotiating standpoint. I mean, you can hear that in the tone. It's not like normal. So, hopefully, hopefully he, he finds a way to do what's exactly right for the club. The one positive I, I i lean your way elliot in terms of of you know taking a really hard look at whether we want to do this um the one thing jack does have on the physical side is he's come back and he's playing back-to-back games and he's playing 90 minutes from the get-go it's actually kind of impressive so oh i agree uh, i agree and it, look he, if he can avoid breaking his ankles to, to the extent be, that this is yeah. a thing and i don't know if it is because i'm not a professional athlete anymore um you know, he has fewer games in his legs than someone his age who came through at his age because he was just out of the game for, for large periods of time. Um, yep. Look, let, let's move on. I, I, I think the one thing you have to acknowledge is we zipped the ball around nicely. And whether you want to blame Crystal Palace for giving us space or whatever the reason, the ball was moving quickly. It was moving slickly. Uh, it was fun to watch. We were playing really well. And, you know, we'll come on to the sort of calamities of our defensive side of the game in just a little bit. But... I think we have to talk about Alexis now. And Paul, um, it is clear to me that there are people who just want to hate Alexis because Alexis is leaving us. Um, I don't see any other explanation for it, but this was his best game of the season, in my opinion, and he was everywhere. 101 touches. I think he played something like 70 passes. He had three shots on target. He had two key passes. He, he scored two goals um, really sensationally and, and totally different. How impressed were you with this performance? And do you think it is time for us to all just shut up with the narrative that Alexis isn't trying uh, and just wants to leave? Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, lot, lots of yeahs in there. Um, there's loads of narrative going on. I mean, even if you subtract out his two goals from this performance, I thought it was great. Some Fantastic. of the passing. That, that pass to Mesut Ozil. Jesus. That, the, he had two brilliant passes. It's the pass I think of I know the, game. the one you mean. Yeah, well, it's not the one, not the, the uh, lateral ball that Ozil sort of carries into the box, but the one that he kind of yeah. perfectly waits and curls in behind the defense. Between for two of their defenders. Yes. I don't know how he saw that line and the pace. I mean, I was going on about Maitland-Niles. Uh, you know, stroking and finding the right pace and stuff, which I think is really important and a really big deal for a midfielder, for kind of those medium type. These were incredibly technical passes. He had another one people uh, will forget, but late in the game. Bellerin. He, he, the Bellerin pass. Yes. What a ball that was. Yeah. He he set up three goals. Yeah. They just weren't finished. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but so sorry, I've totally interrupted you. But I mean, yeah. he really showed it all. He was he was he was running. He was tracking back defensively. He was carrying the ball. He was getting on the end of moves. Um, you know, the, the narrative has been he doesn't care. And I realize that there have been games when maybe the body language has said that. But in terms of the output, we don't have a player who can replace this output. Yes, isn't there a line in Shakespeare about how uh, something about? It's not that he has not loved well, it's that he has not loved wisely. I think it's uh, like out of uh, uh, Merchant, uh, no. What's the one with the the more? I have an encyclopedic knowledge of Shakespeare, but I don't want to show you up, so why don't we just move on? Um, As far uh, as the the goal, the the jack pass, I mean, people were purring over Wilshire's pass, and I get that, but that skill to control it with his thigh, to bring it down to his shooting foot, right in position to slot it past in the cool finish. I mean, there aren't many players in the league that can do that. There aren't. The angle of the run takes out the two defenders yep. so that they don't get another look at it. And slipping past uh, uh, the keeper with that narrow angle, I mean, uh, how how often do people actually pull that off? I think he was absolutely superb. I mean, you want to bench, um, you want to bench Alexis Sanchez, be my guest. What do you think happens if it's Danny Welbeck running onto that pass? Oh, that's that's not very nice. Well, Danny's a lovely fellow. Hey, yeah. did you did you see that clip of uh, Danny o- and Mestozel? Yes, that was yeah. And, yeah. Ah, that's just. I mean, I mean, it's already hilarious because Danny's doing his funny walk to make sure he can't get megged, and then he gets megged um, off the boards. <laughs> yeah, and the and then the la- the laugh out of the two of them. It's it's things like that that make me wonder about all this. You know, the players not getting on and shit. But well, well, you know, you, so could, let's you come get back. On to that. Yeah. So let's come on to that, all right? Because unfortunately, it's instead related, of talking about yeah. a, a performance that tells you everything you need to know about Alexis's commitment to winning and and the cause. The narrative after the match was, you know, someone didn't want to celebrate with Alexis when he scored. Now, I don't know about you, but I saw pictures of Koscielny and Alexis celebrating together. I saw pictures of the team celebrating together. I saw Alexis go over to Jack and thank him for the pass. So I don't know what specific incident people are talking about. But do you think all of this nonsense about squad harmony and uh, player disunity is nonsense? I guess I've loaded this question. Or do you think that um, it's there and... it? It's just something we have to live with. Uh, I I think it's there and something we have to live with, but I don't know that it's a huge deal. Um, there's no, because I think at the end of the day, back to my Shakespearean quote, nobody's going to nobody playing with Alexis thinks he doesn't care and he isn't trying. It's a question of whether he sometimes tries to do it on his own and blame everybody else when it doesn't happen or when he overloads the rest of the team trying to do it on its own and giving the ball away. And those are 
fights and arguments that they need to have. And so we just kind of got to leave it down to them. I did see the picture of Koscielny standing way back with Czech and not joining the celebration. I didn't think too much of it at the time. Um, he's got a bum Achilles and he's 100 yards away from the celebration. What do you want him to do? Yeah, and he's basically the captain on the field. And I wouldn't mind somebody sitting back there and saying, OK, now how do we hold on to this lead? So I'm not saying that was what was going on. I'm just, you know, you can freak out about these things. I don't mind if he's a little cool on this whole celebrating with Alexis thing. Um, but they're at the far ends of the pitch from each other. Uh, they just need to get on and try and win. And it was. It, it, there's no way Koscielny comes off that field and says... Alexis didn't try to win. So um, at the end of the day, that's it. they all know he's off at the end of the season. They all got to hold their nose a little bit. Uh, if their personal relationships aren't that great, it would be better if everybody mostly got on. But it's far better that uh, people are saying what they need to say and getting stuck into Alexis when he's overdoing the, the solo run-in and giving it away 37 fucking times in a game. Um, and we get things sorted out so we can have a performance like this where he did just about everything and was brilliant. Yeah, he was he was sensational, Clive. I mean, do you want to add to really just the the yeah. virtuoso performance from Alexis on the day? Yeah, I mean, where does that come from? I mean, I, being really football, good at football for one thing. Yeah, I mean, my goodness, I mean, that was outstanding. Can, can I mention right? something so, really quickly too? You know, it's not just the the inch perfect passes and the and the sensational finishes but you know he did all those other things that again are so important to to winning game and and you know when uh, for the first goal Clive he uh you remember was it it was Ozil's goal against who did Ozil have the volleyed goal against Newcastle uh Newcastle in that game he that ball drops to Ozil because Alexis contests a header um, yeah. in the box. He did the very same thing for our opening goal. He contests the header up against a big, strong center back that winds up letting it fall to Chambers to get it to Lacazette to take the shot. And I realize that's sort of a, an attenuated moment, but if he doesn't contest that ball, that header is cleared. So he he does the dirty work. I just don't see where the concern about his effort comes in. I think um, he definitely did not show the effort against Liverpool. He was very patchy, as we spoke about last time. Yeah. Very Jekyll and Hyde. But this time, I, I'd, I'd almost forgotten this player. I'd been concerned. I thought he was on burnout path. I thought he was really slowing down. I thought, you know what? I wonder if he's even training well. I, I wasn't sure if this player would, would we'd see him again. But then suddenly he's back at the highest possible level. And we spoke last time about... Um, his body language being incredibly visible, so you can read what sort of mood he's in. Well, he was in the mood, and 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 he and I, maybe the real question out there is, what happened between Liverpool and Crystal Palace? I have a because, theory. Can I give you one quick theory? Yeah, I mean, please do, because that is the question. For we've me. gone through a period, a pattern of a few games now where we had been falling behind early. Not all of them, but we'd fallen behind, and yeah. the game gets so much harder for your attacking players when you're playing from behind. Because especially against those smaller teams, you give them a platform to, to sit back, be compact, keep everybody in front of you, defend deep. And then you do rely on sort of those hero ball moments and individual moments of brilliance to, to recover. And I think what we saw from Alexis in a lot of previous games was him, if you want to say, maybe trying too much, being too selfish in that he was trying to win the game with every pass when we've fallen behind. In this game, we were playing well from the off, 
there was room for him to play, and I, I think it allowed him to relax in some ways to the extent that Alexis can mm-hmm. ever relax. The game is easier when you're not down a goal all the time. Yeah, I think I think only us and Crystal Palace have the worst two records for conceding the first goal. Mm-hmm. I, think. I know it was eight times out of eighteen games we've fallen behind. I'm not sure what it is now. So that does help. Also, lack of a midfield platform puts a lot of stress onto him. That's me really looking at him and looking after him and looking at it from his side of things. But let's talk about what your eyes saw. Let's talk about how sharp he looked. Let's talk about how. He really made those passes work. Let's talk about how he supported other people, how he ran in behind, how he worked back to the corner flag, how he blocked crosses. Your eyes don't lie in football. you just got to remember what you've just seen. And that is night and day compared to Liverpool. So I'm thinking, OK, Clive, you, you know a little bit about the game. What's happened? What's changed in those short few days? Has somebody spoken to him? Is he playing for a move? Is he expecting someone to take him away? Was that his last game? All these things going to my mind. Has Wenger finally got through to him? Is he decided to stay? He's going to stay to the end of the season and now he's going to get us into the top four. Something happened between the two games because he was shocking versus Liverpool in his attitude, his demeanour, his body language. And what we saw last night was a 10 out of 10 performance that made you think, well, who's the best player in the league? Is it De Bruyne? Is it Hazard? Or is it Alexis? And that's where we were potentially at the start of the season. You'd laugh if you made that question before this game. But then you saw, well, actually, there's one of the players that could be deemed one of the best players in the league and would be in any league team when he plays like that. The worry and the question I have is, what happened? What has happened? What's brought this on? Is it going to stay? What's changed? And I think something's changed. I don't know what it is, but it's not just about, you know, what happens in the midfield and what's when going the goal behind. I think something's changed in his head. And I just don't know how long it's going to last. Maybe. I, you know, it's, it's tough for me. It really is. Clive. I, I think, look, first of all, you have to acknowledge there were 11 terrible players on the pitch for Arsenal the first half against Liverpool, right? So, yeah, everybody. You know, I could say to you what changed about all of them. I mean, well, first of all, the opposition, for one thing. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there, there's a few things here. I mean, first of all, Alexis has been providing end product, even in these games where he hasn't been so good. You know, a penalty in the dying moments, an assist to, to get us an equalizer. Oh, you know, yeah, his end product is still there. Even, still even amongst there. the petulance, yeah. he's still producing. He's, he's, still he's producing. now our you know our, our top goal scorer, and I think he might be our, our top assist or two. And by the way, uh, Lacazette got two assists in this game. You know, so, I mean, you know, he's not getting the goals, but good to see that. I, I just think because of Alexis's contract situation, when he's in a spot of patchy form, we immediately go to that as the reason. Um, but players do have patchy form. This guy has played a lot of football. We know that... He hasn't necessarily had the time off that that you know other players have, and that we would like him to have. And he's a player that you know wants the ball at his feet. And so when it's not coming off for you, it's very obvious. I mean, even in this game, I believe he still had yeah he, he was dispossessed six times and had five unsuccessful touches. You know, that's eleven. But that's did, that's more did than, you care, uh, did you care as much? In no, this game, really? not at all. But what I'm saying, and why was is, that? You, you didn't care because again. Because he the, was playing well. Yes, the he, things he looked he did. purposeful, didn't he? He looked yes. like he had some conviction about him. He, his movement looked sharper. He looked more united with his teammates. He was working for them. He was being available for them. He wasn't hiding. And when you see that, you can forgive anything. When you see him losing the ball and he's not doing those basic fundamentals, then we turn at him and then we look at the circumstantial evidence of his contract situation. We start adding figures together and we come up with, we hate you. 
yeah, <laughs> until he yeah. scores. Then we say, we love you again. <laughs> I, gu- I guess is, m- my point is, I don't think he was ever so bad as to warrant the conclusions about him that were being made. I just think he was off his best form. I mean, would that all of our players, when they're out of form, still be providing goals and assists? You know what I'm saying? Like, how many players do. do you have who can be out of form and still be averaging a goal or assist every game? Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, I hear you. I it's pretty remarkable. And I was looking at a, a scatter graphic the other day of, you know, XA and XG players in in the league and and in and in Europe. And his XG has dipped a little, but his XA is is phenomenal. In fact, it's vastly superior to, uh, and by XA, I mean expected assists, obviously. It's vastly superior to Ozil's. So, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the pod. I think Alexis dropping deeper has been part of the issue for form, Clive, because the further away he is from goal, the more his negative qualities can come out. Um, well, let's talk. About, let's talk about that then, because you know, again, Jack and Shaka held their role; they weren't running past him. They were there and available, and they were quite technical, and they can pass. There was no point in Alexis coming too deep because he knew he could trust them. He still he did, though. For, for the first half hour, he did. I mean, those two passes to Ozil, the, the ball over the top to Bellerin early. I mean, he, he was dropping yeah. deep early, and then he started to push up more and more, and, that, and that's where he got think, the end of moves. What, I think what, he's the best what, penalty box player in the league. Yeah, exactly. So what we do is that we... He starts high and he comes deep. So he bounces off people. So we play through the lines and then him and Ozil get it. And then they create in the difficult areas. They spin it out to the wingbacks. They spin it through to Lacazette. So they are really, we have we have almost like two blocks of two starting off our sort of offensive patterns. We have the two behind, punching it into the two number 10s, Alexis and Ozil. And they do their thing. They have all the danger. They have all the technical stuff to do. They have all the risk. And that's why they're both risky players, but very technical players. So he has to come deep sometimes. But once what Chris did, they let him turn around. Once he turns around, he's not getting kicked and he can face you. He will punch you. He will punch through you. He will combine. He will get combinations going. And I think when he's not there, we're going to miss him because we need a player with that type of personality to say, give it to me. I'm going to take the next pass. I'm going to take the difficulty on. Give it to me, and we're going to miss that. And maybe, and I don't know how we're going to replace that personality when he goes. Well, and I will tell you, I think you have to put some responsibility on teammates because when Alexis gets the ball in that you know sort of left half space, dropping a little deeper, there's always two players marking him. And if there's two players marking him, someone can make the intelligent run and for, say whatever you want about Alexis. He usually finds that run. Um, and, you know, but I, I will ask you this: if Alexis was not in the team against Palace. Who's scoring the goals? You know, as well as we played, I just don't think we win that game. And, and we're going to miss his end product. And I, it's the reason I would not sell him because there is not enough end product in this team without him, period. There just isn't. And you're going to have to live with some of the things he does wrong. But also there's that chance that he finds this kind of form on a longer-term basis. And that can make all the difference. Paul, um, one player who didn't come away from this game with such high marks, at least from some people I'm seeing, is Hector Bellerin. And, you know, when you grow your hair out like that, you deserve to be criticized, obviously. I yeah. think we can all agree on yeah. that. But do you think his football warrants the criticism he's getting? And in this game specifically, did you see the cause for the, the concern that some people are expressing about him? No, I think it's crazy. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, he... He did, there were definitely two, three moments where defensively he struggled. Um, I don't know. 
and he could have done better. There was the moment uh, Zaha got around behind him for the header that came off his shoulder. But on the other hand, Bellerin put pressure on him. But on the other hand, Zaha's really fast. He's re- on a really hot streak and he's very tall. And it was a header coming in. So there was always likely to be a moment or two like that in the game where Bellerin needs to pick him up instead of Chambers. Uh, there were a couple of moments on the wing where you could uh, debate whether it was him or Chambers who should have been tracking him. So there were a few moments in the game, but it's, it isn't. every team is going to have trouble against Zaha at the moment in the form he's in. And we got two players out there who have to share that responsibility. Chambers got beat a couple of times. Um, Zaha, Zaha, if he can keep the ball under control, goofy-looking bastard, <laughs> is... You know, he's he's very, very effective. He's very fast. He he seems to have learned how to put in a low-raking cross. Um, so, yeah, he gave gave us some fits at the back uh, on a number of occasions. I thought Bellerin's overall game was very good. It would have been nice if he'd finished off that ball over the top from Alexis. He did lots of good things. He helped with the build-up play. Uh, I don't know why we have it in for Bellerin at the moment. I think it's kind of crazy. I think his overall game was really good. Is it? Is it just because he's a flash cunt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I kid. Obviously, I, look. I think I don't think this was his best game. I think nope. he struggled with Zaha at times, and I think for their, I guess second goal, was the was the corner their second goal. It was yeah for their yeah. second goal. His hands were on his hips, and and he wasn't alert to the danger. And I think you know the problem with being a wing back. Is you're well, up and, his man though? I, I mean, I saw that too, and I saw it at the it time. Was, it wasn't it his was, man, but both he and Mustafi were just totally switched off for that corner. Um, yeah, but I, it's Kishelny and Mustafi who are jumping against whatever the dude's name is. Well, let's come on to that club. I mean, look, I don't, you know, I don't yep. think this was the defensive calamity some people say because at the end of the day, they had two shots on target and they scored from both of them and. I mean, you know, if you want to look at XG, it's a little less friendly to us. I think they had like 1.5 XG, which is more than you want to be giving up. But, you know, yeah. you're away to a, you know, a team with improving form and some talented attackers. Do you think that this that we really have to be worried about the way we're defending? I mean, we're shipping a lot of goals and the two that we gave away were pretty sloppy defending. Is was it a bad Bellerin day for you? A, a bad defensive but day? No can, well, but can I quickly throw in Clive to work into your thing? We've been very good on set pieces yes, and corners. Exactly, yes. This, yes. this was a corner goal, but you, you got to take a step back and say this was something we're supposed to be doing all year long. We've been really good defending corners and set pieces. No doubt, but, but on w- the whole, there, there was, I mean, we were ropey at the back the last little bit. And I mean, do you think some of it was taking out Lacazette, going with Coughlin and sort of changing the dynamic of how we were playing at a time when we were still in the ascendancy? I, I really liked the substitutions that he did. I, I liked it because then he did exactly what he should have done against Liverpool. He, he sent out a message to say, yeah, we're going to hold this. At 3-2, I'd have liked to see Cochrane come on against Liverpool, right? So at least we had a strategy. So I liked where what he was doing. where was he playing? I mean, he was playing way up the pitch. It was bizarre. <laughs> he was doing fine. He was pressing them. He was discouraging them. He was not the issue. I think um, we got we got no Giroud. We need Lacazette for some big games in the next few days. To take him off at the end was really smart. He didn't like it, but we don't want him injured because without him, we, we're going to be lacking the centre forwards. I think the thing that disappointed me about the first goal was not 
Zaha's going to beat you down again. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a fantastic player, potentially. He cut the ball back. It was a slow cross. We've got three players standing and marking themselves. And nobody just thought, I need to be on a different line here for the cutback. And they didn't go out and press. They sort of left it to each other. That was a bit, that was a bit lazy. And on the set-piece goal, you're going to lose headers in the box. That's not a problem. As long as you put the man under pressure. But what bothered me about that goal is we had no one on the post. Do you not notice that? We had no defenders on the yeah. post from the corner. And I, 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 I need to start looking at some other corners. I just hadn't seen that before. I hadn't noticed that. Um, maybe because we don't concede that many from set there's pieces. A, there's a debate on, on whether that's the right thing to do or not, though, isn't there? Yeah. Sometimes the goalkeeper likes to see his near post, but he likes someone on his back post. And that's where the ball went in. So he, he likes to have no one in front of him blocking his view on the corner so he can come and get it. He doesn't want bodies in front of him. But on his back post, you normally have someone on the back post. And that's what I always sort of coach. So I've been disappointed to see the back post so open. That's a simple clearance off the line. It, I didn't I didn't like that. It looked a bit sloppy to me. I wonder if that's a breakdown. I need to look at it. Can, I, can I add a bit on that? Of course you can, mate. So, I mean, part of the debate is if you put somebody on the on the post, that means you're playing all their players on, on side. Now, I know it's a corner, but from the broken play, uh, you're playing everybody on side. Um, yep. And the the other thing you notice is just before that moment, Czech is shoving one of their attackers out of the out of his six yard box. So he's yep. trying to clear that space. Uh, so he's clearly setting it up the way he wants it. And yep. it was Czech's call, good or bad, but he, he's yeah. made his decisions and he's lived with it. And exactly, uh, he may want it, Paul. He may want the space, Paul, to make the dive. He wanted to come for it. I could think. Could be right. Yeah, yeah that's um, most point. people leave. The, some people do both posts. Some people, you know, normally fullbacks rest on posts on corners, right? And um, and then, but I don't. I know it's a goalkeeper's like to see the keep the front post clear, but the back post. Yeah, I mean, I have to look at other corners. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not so. I'm not that worried about it. It was a last minute. I'd be disappointed for our numbers really because I didn't think it was a three-two game. It was a, a two-clear goal win for us, in my opinion. But um, <coughs> yeah, you, you I like. I, I go back to the back three, Elliot. Man, I like it. I like what I'm seeing. I think we're better for me. Top six games and away games, back three, home games versus the bottom half of the league. You can go forward at the back and just push people back into their game. But for me, I, I like what the back three does for this squad. Yeah, I, I think it depends on who's available to some extent because I don't know that we can play a back three with all our personnel. I, I look at this, I, I worry about Mustafi. You know, it's interesting. He had a really good game in some ways. He is technically so skillful on the ball, and his finish is really special. I mean, it's a special finish. It's a you know, it's very precise volley, cool as you like. He, he played some brilliant passes in the game. The closer he gets to his own goal, the worse he gets. I just don't think he's a great defender in his area. I don't think he reads the play very well. Um, and, and sticks to his markers. I think he, he loses concentration. Um, and maybe some of that was that he's, he's been out of, out of the team a little bit. But I'm still not sure what to make of Mustafi. I think he's, the, you know, he's kind of John Stonesy in a way, if you want. You know, right? He's our ball-playing center back who still needs to learn to play center back to some extent. Um, so we'll see how that develops. Uh, Paul, just sort of as a, as a last thought here on Lacazette, um, he hasn't had a goal in a while, but he did have two assists in this game. He had that nice little sort of multiple pirouette-type move in, at the edge of the area that he just missed by, past the near post. I thought he was lively and involved and dynamic in this game, but what do you think we have to do to get him going? You know, I sort of said on Twitter that I think he's too isolated. It's too easy for teams to key on him right now, and we need to get some players closer to him, whether that's Ozil or Alexis, someone he can exchange passes with. We saw when he had Alexis close to him in the box. That that was where Alexis's goal came from. 
what do we need to do for Lacazette to get back in the goals, or is it just a matter of time and it'll come? Uh, probably time and it'll come. I mean, he's there are aspects of his interplay, as you said, with Alexis. I mean, that's a very simple but clever pass back to Alexis for the for the Alexis the first goal, I guess, where he drives it low between the dude's legs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's he he could knock that ball into all sorts of little spaces, but he gives it to Alexis where he can hit it first time and hard. Um, I, I think he did a lot of subtle things. Uh, sorry, that was this, that was Alexis's first goal. Our, our second, second one. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, he makes the first goal with the twisting and turning and then the low-driven shot that, that the keeper for, forces out to Mustafi. Um, I think he did – it's one of those games where, as you say, he got the two assists, but people didn't act like it afterwards. It's uh, kind of t- – with the striker in particular, with the center forward – it's like if they're not scoring and they're not assisting, by the way, he did. But in general, you kind of think he, they're not playing well, and I think he's playing pretty well. Who's not finding him is the rest of the team, Alexis and Ozil to some degree. But he makes so many good runs that aren't being found. Yeah. Um, and you kind of – it's surprising, really, because I would have assumed at the start of the season that Chaka would be finding him with the ball over the top or some – you know, pulling out the the uh, the three iron or whatever, and just arcing it's not really his pass, is it? Shaq is a pass no. before the pass kind of guy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Jack was a little more direct with that ball over the top to Alexis. Maybe uh, if if Jack gets into it a little, little bit more, he'll be finding him. But it does feel like he makes a lot of runs that don't get picked up on. He he uh, was a little unlucky because there was the ball into Ozil where Ozil tries to cut it back across the box to him. It would have been a tap-in, yeah, but it was just yeah. a little bit past him. <clears throat> you know what I mean? It's those kind of things, though. He's getting into the right positions. Maybe it's just a matter of sticking with it. Um, this, is, uh, this has been a little bit challenging for me because I am sitting in a hotel room using iPhone headphones, as I said at the beginning, and uh, have to run back to uh, my place of business that I'm visiting uh, in the next couple of minutes. So we're going to have to wrap it up here. And I realize we didn't get to all the incidents in the game or all the, all the performances uh, or nearly hit the two-and-a-half-hour mark that I was hoping for. But, Clive, I guess one thing we have to talk about really quick before we go is West Brom on New Year's Eve followed by Chelsea. And you really have to think that rotation is is a requirement here um do you think there's enough days in between for him to try to get away with sticking with it i mean for the most part maybe chambers comes out or maitland niles comes in for call but I, I mean would you try for some heavy rotation ahead of chelsea what do you think is is the best idea and the idea he'll go with I could see a couple coming out because he shackles. He started every league game. He, he took a little bit of a tumble. It wouldn't be the worst thing for him to come out and maybe put Cochrane in there. I think that would <laughs> help. I think um, I'm, I think uh, Holding's got to get some minutes now. He's ready. Right? I think it's going to be quite an aerial game against West Brom. I think he's a stronger ten and a half in the air. There's no way Cassioni can do West Brom and Chelsea, right? So look, we've got we've got to take him out, surely. We know that he's... I thought he looked a lot happier in the three. He didn't look so stretched. So we need to look after his legs. So yeah, I, I can see that coming. Maybe, you know, potentially well better get more minutes. He didn't play any minutes at all this game. Well, I think we should go like stronger team, like a well-bet running team, a Cochrane, a bit more... Anglo-Saxon in he our approach. He can't possibly start Jack Wilshire against West Brom if he wants to start him against Chelsea. 
well, Jack's more. Let's see what happens. Uh, maybe not, right? So let's see. I'm, I'm not worried. I just think we do need to look after people like Koscielny for certain, who we know has got a track record of injury. We know he can't do repeat games close together. So I, I can see him coming out. Um, potentially Welbeck starts there, Lacazette. Lacazette comes off the bench because we need him for the home game. I think he's really positive in home games. What game. about Ozone Alexis? So, I mean, can you afford to really play without Ozone Alexis and Lacazette away to West Brom? No, I don't think you can. I, I think, you know, they, I think they'll both play. They, they, they are durable. They do. They can turn on. They are world-class players, and they can play in short spaces of time. See, I worry more about Alexis with that, Clive, because I think, look, Ozil, I think he does more running than he gets credit for, but I think he can be effective with an economy of energy. But I think Alexis needs every bit of those fast, quick-twitch muscle fibers firing to be at his best. So, I mean, does he maybe try to go with, you know, Ozil... Uh, well back in a Wobi or something up front. I mean, yuck, but, you know, at least to yeah. start and, and yeah, see if I, you can I get thought, away with it. Yeah, I hear you going, Elliot, what you're saying it makes absolute sense, but I think with him, because we've lost so many um, points, he may just go for this game yeah. and see what happens in the home game. We can, Once you start rotating to that level, you're really saying that I'm going to take this game seriously. We've only won three away games this season. We, if we get two away game wins... That would be fantastic, right? And we're going to Chelsea for a few days, three or four days, to rest up and then um, and go for them. And then we could be in good shape. I think this game is really important. We get two away wins. But we look fresh and we look bright and we look united. And that I like that. So if we can keep seeing that against West Brom, I'll be happy. Yeah, and you know what's really good? I mean, people always complain about the strain of these um, these holiday fixtures, but the thing people have to remember is it's a much bigger strain on the smaller clubs because they have smaller squads. They're not used to playing twice a week and they can't rotate because when they rotate, the level of quality drops off uh, tremendously. So, you know, you look at West Brom who just played Everton on the 26th. You know, they've got West Ham away on the 2nd. Maybe they'll be tempted to rotate for the home game against Arsenal and recognize that you know, that's the one they don't have to prioritize. I mean, and if they yeah. do rotate, their second their second team isn't isn't Premier League caliber. Um, it, it sounded like, Clive, you wanted to jump back in there with a thought. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think what we've got to do, we've got to discourage these teams by starting fast, making the game easy. get Take them out early on, one goal, two goals, and then make it a training session. I think yeah. we've got to be really efficient. Don't get draw, drawn into a battle, which we nearly did last night versus... Palace, we nearly got drawn into a real battle until Alexis decided to take the game away from them. Right, so um, and even then, Palace didn't give up. I thought they ended the game really strongly. I thought Sahar came back really strongly. I think it's just important that we just execute early, make it a nice and relaxed, and then save our legs for Chelsea in the week. Yeah, and I mean, you look at it. Look, they, they played the twenty third. They played the twenty sixth. They're playing the thirty first. They're playing on the second. You know they're going to have to do some rotation. And you can see it in the scores in the Premier League, right? I mean, look at the scores that are put up by some of these teams, and and you can see that it's the small clubs, actually, that really struggle, right? I mean, they're the ones, they're, they're, they're the ones going through hell. You know, Swansea conceded yeah. five goals to, to Liverpool. You know, I mean, that's, they're the team's drop, uh, uh, suffering. Uh, what, Tottenham scored five against Southampton. Chelsea beat Brighton comfortably 2-0. So, I, I think maybe this is actually advantage Arsenal and that we can get away with a little rotation. If you remember, you guys, we played Southampton in the FA Cup last season. 
And they basically used a second 11, and we did as well. And it was no contest because their second 11 can't really match our second 11. And if West Brom rotate a bit for this game, we may be able to get away with not being at full strength. And I, I think we do have to prioritize Chelsea. I mean, pause a final thought. Um, how much rotation is too much for this game? Uh, very tough question, uh, especially as we don't know the story on Chaka at the moment. But, um, I mean, I, I lean to, to Clive's view that he's going to go for it. And, you know, we are relatively well-rested as a first team. We haven't been playing uh, kind of twice a week until just this Christmas period. I think so this is where we it. take our Europa League out, our Europa League advantage out for a test drive, so to speak? Yep, I think we go for it. I mean, n- none of these are two-game breaks. We've actually been reasonably spaced over the Christmas break compared to other years. You know, three. You know, I think we had a six, five or six game break, a day break, a three day, a four a four day coming up, and then a three day. So, um, yeah, I mean that's not much different than just playing Champions League and Premier League. So, yeah, I think we'll go for it. Okay, I, I mean I, I can get behind that. I just think, you know, to some extent, I mean, if only you could know what West Brom was going to do because if they do rotate for this game, I'd feel a lot more comfortable rotating because ultimately. Sure. 11 rested Arsenal players are going to be better than 11 second team West Brom players now. I mean, I realize I should never put anything beyond us in terms of our, our uh, affinity for calamity, but we'll see. And, the and only event, issue I is, yeah, I was just going to say, the only issue is Clive's point, which is we need to start fast or any game can become hard away from home against a big, big, lumpy West yeah, Brom team. A big, so. lumpy, strong West Brom team a lead to protect, and suddenly, yeah, it's yeah, a very, so very you don't want to over-rotate. You, you kind of got to keep the momentum going, score a goal, and then score another goal, and we probably need three or four to sleep well at night. But anyway. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, Paul's on Twitter. Pause in my pants. Thanks, Paul. You. Clive's on Twitter, at Clive PAFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. To dear listener, we thank you for putting up with uh, my daughter appearing in the last podcast, me with this horrendous audio recording situation this podcast. But I assure you we will get 2018 off to a brilliant start uh, as we break down uh, Arsenal 10, West Brom 0. Uh, in any event, it will be after the New Year. So I wish you a very, very happy New Year. Arsenal did win the calendar year title yet again. So uh, I hope you're popping bottles somewhere. Uh, and wherever you are, I hope you have a safe, healthy, and happy New Year. Uh, We will talk to you after Arsenal 10 West Brom nil. Cheers.